up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. Well, for those of you that are here this morning, to those of you tuning online, I want to say welcome. Thanks for tuning online. My name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad that you tuned online with us this morning. But what we want to do is invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri next Sunday and bring your family with you. We would love to have you. Those of you here, welcome. Today we're going to be beginning a brand new series entitled Living on Purpose. Now when you hear that title... It can have a double meaning to it. So you can be living on purpose, as in your purpose and what you have been called to. And you can also be living on purpose, meaning you can be intentional in your decisions that you make day to day, making sure that you take control of your own life and you end up exactly where God would have you to be when he has called you to be there. And we're going to be taking a look at both aspects of that Beginning this morning, which is really the introduction, but what I'd like to title today's message, today's topic, we should say, is going to be C. How many of you can agree that in order to get anywhere in life, you first have to be able to see? We have this, we're coming up on the year 2020, which is a little over a month away now. It's not really that far away. And, but we also talk about this thing called 2020. In the Nashville, we would love to have that 2020 vision. And as we get older, we begin losing that. But 2020 is important in order to see things clearly. So we're going to be talking about that type of see this morning. When we say see, we want to help hopefully open your eyes. Because before you can begin the journey God has for you and the purpose and begin living life on purpose, you've got to know who your creator is. You've got to know who is in charge of what's going on, who is in charge, who created all of this, who loves you, what is my purpose here? And if you all ever sit around just looking around you and you see all this negative stuff in your atmosphere and you begin to ask yourself the question, what's the point? Well, that becomes part of living on purpose. Too many people in their lives, they just end up wherever life if they throw a curveball, they end up there. If they end up here, they end up here. They really don't have any control of what they're doing in their life. And I hope through this series we can encourage you to take control of your own life, take control of your own destiny, and become everything that God would have you to be. Our key passage is going to be for this entire series. This was originally going to be a three-part series. But now it is a four-part series because as I began praying about it, I began to feel that God told me that I need to do an introduction before I even get into the other things. We need to do an introduction on what we're talking about with Living on Purpose. So it has now become a four-part series, which will put us done with this series the week before Christmas. Now, some of you that were disappointed about the Christmas series, we will have a Christmas message and a Christmas series the next couple weeks after that. But God has given me this, and I believe that if you will take advantage and you will take control of your own life, you can end up somewhere on purpose. Everyone, everyone. 
everyone on the planet ends up somewhere in life. But you can end up somewhere on purpose. It's a quote from Andy Stanley in his book, I believe it was Visioneering. And Andy Stanley, one of my favorite authors, and he talks about living on purpose. We're not going to visionary today, though, but what I would have you to do is to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to be reading verses 11 to 13, and this will be our key passage for the entire series, and I think once you get there, if you're not already familiar with this passage, you're going to understand why. Check it out. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you or plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So today's first question, and this isn't our first point, this is our first question is, do you have 2020 vision? Are you able to see the things that come at you in life? See these physical things, the things that you see around us, the world as it seems to continue going on and life does continue to go on. Do you feel like you're getting left behind or do you feel like you have taken control of your life and you are going to end up somewhere on purpose? I hope you are the latter, but the sad truth is the majority of people, they just end up somewhere by accident. It's because they've never been encouraged to take control of their own lives. So do you have 2020 vision? Well, what in the world do you mean by that? Well, a minute ago I mentioned that we talked about 2020 vision in the natural, as we consider here perfect sight. You've got perfect sight. So my question to you is, do you have 2020 vision in the spiritual? Are you able to see the spiritual side of things, the thing, the spiritual warfare that's going on in your life so that you can continue to reach your purpose and your destiny that God has for your life? Let me just give you a little bit of a background on where this sermon came from. This actually came, this is a sermon I wrote years ago, but actually God told me to come back to it because there's some important points. So years ago, and I think it was like 2012 or 11, somewhere like that, I was working in a factory. We won't talk about what it was, but in this factory, we created boxes for companies like P&G and different things. And what happened is, as we created those boxes, the machine would chop off paper to make the shape. And it was really cool how, how it worked, but it would chop off the paper, make it the shape you needed so that you could glue it together and make it a box. And it's really, there's a process to those boxes that you just tear up and throw away at Christmas time. There's a process and a printing process in that. But what happens is, as it's chopping up, there's little bitty pieces of what we call uh, paper that get off and they fall everywhere and it gets the shape. So they're laying kind of on the ground. So you're constantly having to clean up the messes, make sure the clean machine is cleared out. But one day when I was, the job I was doing, I was feeding the paper into the machine at that point. And one day as I was feeding, I was going through a time, I was going through a struggle, and I happened to look back, I stepped down for a second because we had a momentary break, and I happened to look down, and right in the gutter that was next to me, and it was a little, uh, collect, where we collected the ink and things that were waste, right at the top of that, there were two pieces of paper, corrugated paper, that had stuck together, and then from the angle I was looking at on the machine, they appeared to be a cross. And in the midst of, I don't even know what I was going through at the time, but I know I was going through something at that time. And in the midst of going through that, when I saw that little cross, or what appeared to be a cross, just two pieces of paper that 
they had stuck together for whatever reason. They had landed together. They looked like a cross. It encouraged me. It gave me hope in that moment, knowing that even here, where you would think you were forgotten because you're at the back of the machine, that God is with you. God is with me. He's with you too. Whatever we're going through. But here's the deal. As I looked and I saw that cross, there was a couple of other friends of mine who were ministers as well. And we were, you know, kind of the sage crew with the company, you know. And they came over. One of my buddies came, who was an ordained minister as well. He came over to see me. And he was doing his job. And I was like, dude, check it out. Can you see that down there? You see that cross over there? And I was excited, right? I was super pumped. And as I told him about this, he looked at me and said, hmm, that's pretty cool, man. I'm like, Dude, do you not get it? I was like, no, no, no. What I noticed was from where he was standing, you couldn't see the cross. So what did I do? I took my friend and I said, come here. Come here, I want to show you. You've got to look at it from up here. So he stood where I was looking. He looked down and he could see the cross. And once again, he's like, yeah, that's pretty neat, man. Now, at that point, he probably thought I was nuts. But I was excited because once again, I was going through something. And it was a reminder that even while I was going through, that God was with me and he was there my trial, even at work where it feels like you can be just part of the crowd and forgotten sometimes. So needless to say, he didn't get as excited as I did about it, but I, that also gave me the idea for this message, which tells me that there are different points of view that people have on the cross or on salvation. Or some of, We're going to talk about four types of people today, and, and I believe in this passage that we're going to be going to, which is in Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at verses 2 to 14. We're going to start with verses 2 through 5. That there are four types of people mentioned. And I believe everyone on the planet falls into at least one of those categories when it comes to spiritual matters. So it began to make me realize, you know what? It's all in your point of view as to whether you can see that cross or not. That salvation, that hope. So let's go to Matthew chapter 22 this morning. We're going to look at verse, start at verse 2 and read through verse 5 to begin. It says this, and this is Jesus talking. He's given a parable, so he's talking. And you're going to notice that many of the scriptures, if not all of the scriptures, we will be using this morning, that it will be Jesus talking and telling people about God's love and using parables to do so. But we're going to be focusing on the words of Jesus. So when we focus on the words of Jesus, you know they're going to be good. So check it out. Verse 2 there in chapter 22 of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatty cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field, another to his business, leading me to our first group of people. Now this story has been taken many different ways and I'm sure I'll have a look later one later in years or whenever I do use this passage again I'll have another look at it but today I want to focus on four groups of people and the first group is the one we just heard about in this passage which is those that never see. You see I use that cross as the example because there are those that would walk past that thing and never even notice it was there except unless someone told them 
about it. There's those that never see. There's those that are too busy focused on all of their surroundings and the mess that may be going on in their lives or maybe the money that they've been making and the fortune that they have raised. And they get so focused on all of these worldly things that they're missing the point. So they never see God's salvation or his purpose of sending his son to die on the cross for all of us. Matthew 6, 24. And here's, check this out. Here's what Jesus had to say. This is once again Jesus talking. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard the scripture before, because what it's talking about is the love of money. People get so caught up in what they have and getting more physical things. There was a book that came out years ago. I believe it was Max Lucado that put it out. I'm not sure. It was a children's book. And it had this character called Punchinello. And Punchinello was a little wooden, uh, I don't know what he was, like a little wooden person, I guess is what it would be. And he was in a town full of wooden persons. And in one of those books as you read, every one of those characters in that book get caught up in stars and dots. And there were different things that would catch him up in different books. And then Punchinello would find himself getting caught up in wanting what they had, not realizing that at the top of the hill was the creator. And in this case, the story, his name was Eli. And he was the creator of all these wooden people. So he wasn't concerned with what they thought was popular or their styles or what they had going on. But being in the midst of those wooden people, Punchinello would look around and just want what they had. And so one day he came across this girl. And I believe, I can't remember at the moment, her name was Louis or something or Louis. I'm not really sure. It started with an L. I remember that. And he came across her, and he noticed, I'm just talking about the first book now, they would give dots to the people that weren't any good, like Punchinello. He was covered with dots. They didn't like him. He wasn't popular. He was kind of that loser kid or the loser person that never, they thought, would ever accomplish anything in life. And then they would give stars to the people that they liked. So that made those people with more stars more popular. So they had... Those stars stuck to them for their popularity. Well, Punchinello was covered in gray dots. And he comes across this girl one day, and she has nothing on her. Nothing stuck to her. She has no dots. She has no stars. And he's like, how is it that you come across and you don't have anything? And he even tried to put something on her. He's seen some people try to put something on her, and it would just fall to the ground because it would not stick. And she says, well, he said, he asked her, he's like, what? How did you come across this? And she's like, well, every day I go visit Eli. And you got to understand the foreshadowing in the book is Eli represents God, the creator of all. And if we spend that time with him, we get less caught up in what people think is popular and what they think we should do and more caught up in what God would have for us to accomplish. So he found out that she goes to visit Eli every day. So she encouraged him to go and he did end up going later that night and make a long story short. When he hung around Eli, and Eli would talk to him positively. He would talk about how he created him just the way he was, that there was no blemish or nothing wrong with him. He created him like he was for a purpose and that he loved him regardless of what anybody else thought. And at the end of the story, as Punchinello is walking off, one of the gray dots fall off. And it's symbolic of the fact that the more we spend time with God, the less we're concerned about what they think. We're more concerned about what he thinks and the farther we're going to get in life. And as he walked out and the little gray dot fell off of him, 
the symbolic that he was beginning to find some hope in the world that just seemed like a mess that was never going to accept him. I'm here to tell you that it is an awesome illustration of how God loves us. The world will tell us one thing, one way to be popular, one way to be a part of the crowd. But God says, you know what? I made you exactly like you are. I don't expect you to change. I expect you to be who you are and to stand up for who you are so that you can accomplish the purpose that I have for you. And that, my friend, is living on purpose. That's where it begins. you got to understand who, you, who do you serve. So the real question is, in the story in our Back to the Bible, I know I kind of got sidetracked there for a second, but I thought it was a great illustration. Back to the Bible, the king that we see in the story that we begin here has invited all these people to a feast. He's killed cows, and he's got all these oxen, and everything's ready, and he's inviting these people to come to his feast, and needless to say, they aren't coming. Well, the king in the story represents God. Now, for those of you who are historians or theologians out there, I want you to understand something. I, I understand the other group, the ones that were invited, that rejected the invitation, when Jesus was telling this story, was representative of the Jews. God sent his son to invite everyone to the wedding feast. Jesus is considered the groom and the church is the bride of Christ. And at the end of time, at the end of the days, when the things have finished, there's going to be a ginormous or gigantic feast where we all feast together. And this is symbolic of what's going on in this story. So the king represents God. And those invited in this story represent the Jews. But they also represent those of you who God has invited. Because everyone's invited. That just you never see. Because you don't understand what you're missing. So my question to you this morning as we get ready to start the next point here. Is that with whom does your treasure lie? Is it in God? Or is it the worldly value, the money, the things you make all the time? See, the best way to determine whether money is the God of your life is this. My question to you is, do you tithe? What's a tithe? Tithe just means 10. 10%, a tenth. Do you give God his portion before you give everybody else theirs? Or are you one of those people, and this isn't to condemn you, I'm trying to help you this morning. Or are you one of those people that will pay all your bills, everything's done, you go shopping, you do whatever it is, and then at the end of the week you're like, oh, I forgot I had to give God something. You just give, kind of got the scraps or what's left, maybe drop a buck or whatever in the offering plate. Now that's all you can afford, that's not where I'm going. What I want to understand is, you can determine what your values are, we've talked about this in other series, by just taking a look at two things. We're going to talk more about it here in a minute, so I'm not going to get too far ahead. You can look at your checkbook. And your daily planner. The things you spend your time doing and the things you spend your money on, those are your values. So my hope is, if you're a born-again believer out there, that you give God his portion first. Well, we won't talk about this. This isn't a tithe message, but just wanted to throw that out there. So with whom does your treasure lie? Does it lie in God, the creator? Do you believe? Do you trust him? Or are you worried about all this other stuff? Black Friday is coming up. Are you worried about whether you're going to get all the perfect gifts or everything on your list? And beat everybody else to it. Because that type of a mess is exactly what Punchinello was dealing with. Nothing wrong with going shopping. Nothing wrong with any of that. The problem becomes when that's all you focus on. That's all you think about. And you don't leave time out for your creator. Let's go ahead and talk here in Matthew 22, verses 6 and 7. The rest seized his servants. So he's resent an invitation. The first time they just kind of ignored it. And he's resent out that invitation 
to those again that he had invited. Now, here's what happened. They, they basically, they went about their business. That's where we ended a minute ago. They paid no attention. They went off one to his field, the other to his business. Verse 6 says, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was engaged, enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. So here's the second group of people that we want to talk about this morning. Are those that trample on it and don't want to see. The second group of people that the king, when he resent that, the ones that didn't go about their business and doing whatever it was that they were doing, those people took and killed the servants. They mistreated them. The king, he, he, he got a vengeance on them. He sent those, he sent armies and he destroyed them all for what they had done, the evil that they had done. But these are the people who trample on it and don't want to see it. They don't care. There are all those that would have seen that cross in that little tray that day and looked at it and maybe trampled their feet on it, scooted it around, tried to destroy it because they don't want to see it. They don't want anything to do with God. A lot of times the root problem with that is the fact that they're angry at God about something that didn't go the way they thought it should have went in their lives. Let me encourage you this morning. Our way is not God's way. We don't always understand the bad things that happen in this world. But remember whose kingdom you belong to right now. Yes, ultimately God is in charge. But right now we live in Satan's kingdom. We've got to keep moving or we won't have time to finish this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 to 33. Here's what it says about these type of people. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants to be like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We'll come back to that here in just a minute. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So as Jesus is talking to the people in this particular passage, he's giving not only encouragement to those that are following, but he's also giving a warning to those who may reject him. He's saying, if you will proclaim me before men then I will proclaim you before my Father in heaven. But if you're going to be ashamed of me and you're going to disown me before man, then guess what? When you get to heaven, I will disown you before my Father. So here's the deal with heaven. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's a real place. And at the end of your life, you will find out that it's there. Just because you decided to choose your entire life that you don't believe in heaven or you don't believe in hell does not mean they don't exist. No more than me telling you that if I look at these brown chairs in this room and I look at you and I told you that these chairs are not brown, that doesn't make the chairs not brown. I may decide that they're purple chairs, but they're really not. They're brown. The reality is, no matter how I deceive myself in the natural, 
there is a real truth, and Jesus tries to warn us about that in this passage. Don't be afraid of those that can kill the physical. Be afraid of the one, talking about Satan, who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. You need to be fearful of those things, not vice versa. Too many people get caught up in reputation, which is really what made Punchinello's story so special. So my question is this morning, who or what do you fear? Do you fear man's judgment on you? Do you fear what other people are going to think about you? See, too many of us are caught up so much in putting on... I heard an evangelist years ago, and he used this comparison. He said that when you start dating someone, when you first start dating that individual, they're not dating you. They're dating your representative. In other words... They're dating who you want them to think you are. They haven't met the real you yet. So the real you, here's the deal. Why do you say all that trick? Here's the deal. The point I'm trying to get across here. This is why you need to worry about what to fear. And it's not manly judgment. You need to fear what God has to say. Because here's the deal. When it comes to your life and what you're doing in life and what you're accomplishing in life, the deal is God wants to minister to the real you, not who you pretend to be. Too many of us get caught up in trying to have a reputation or want people to think we're such and such, so we're not ourselves. We just become who we think society should see us as instead of being who God has called us to be. When God's saying, I don't care about that image you're trying to build, what I want to minister to and bring forth is the real you. The person that I created, the person that has no blemishes, the person, well, there, well, there's blemishes, we make mistakes, but the person who I created to be exactly who they are to be. God created you to be you. So here's the catcher. There is no one else on the planet that is exactly like you. All the way down to your DNA, you are unique. And God created you to be you. So let's not try to pretend we're something that we're not. Instead, let's try to figure out who is it that God has called me to be and what do I need to do in my life to make sure that I am living on purpose or I am being very intentional in all my decisions. We've got to keep moving. Matthew chapter 22, verse 8 to 13. Here's what it says. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. In this case, the Jews rejected Christ. So what God do? He opened the door to Gentiles as well. This is what it's talking about. I want you to understand. I know that. But there's also, I believe this passage is also speaking to those of us who are constantly trying to search and find out who God is. And those that just, just gave up looking for whatever reason. God has invited all of us to be a part of his wedding feast at the end of days. But here's verse 9. It says, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But here's, here's the deal. Check out verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Friend, the man was speechless. And then God told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the third group of people we're going to talk about this morning are those that don't understand. Who are these people? 
I'm going to go ahead and read the next verse, and then we're going to talk about it for just briefly, because we want to keep moving, because we need to wrap this thing up. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks, he says something as well. Verses 21 and 23, here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Who is this group of people, ones that don't understand? If you notice in our story, the king opened the door. He invited whoever wanted to come from the streets, wherever they were from, to this big wedding feast. Now, here's the deal back then with weddings. You had to be wearing a wedding garment. If you're coming to a wedding feast, you don't just show up in these days without your wedding garment. If you're a Christian out there, you don't just show up in heaven one day and decide, oops, I believe now, God. Or you don't show up without preparing for what it is you're trying to accomplish. And here's what happened to this man. This man shows up, even though he was invited, he shows up without a wedding garment, which means he showed up unprepared, thinking he was okay to just show up and do it because he had been, check it out, here we go, we're going to bring this to modern time. He had been to church every Sunday. He went to Wednesday night service. He may have even been involved with the youth ministry, the youth group, everything about him. You would have thought, this guy's got it together. He has got it together. He loves God. He is here for every event we do. But there is one thing that you cannot do without. And that is a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, if you're just if you're coming to church every week, you're going to church. I'm, I'm proud, though. That's a good, those are good things to do. But that's not what it takes to get to heaven. If you're involved with all these activities, maybe you're helping, you're counseling, whatever it is you're doing, but you yourself have no relationship with God, then you're just going through what we call religious motion. So the question becomes, do you have a relationship or do you just have religion? Well, what is religion? When we talk about the dictionary, about doing things religiously, it means we repeat them. We do them. We constantly, it's part of our life. We do it. We're religious about it. We do it over and over and over. So do you have just a religion where you come into church? Or do you actually have a relationship with God? You need to understand the difference. Those that don't understand are those that don't realize that they're just going through the motions. Here's what happened with the group of people Jesus just told us about. He said that not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, but did you check out what else these people had done? He said, they said that, Lord, in your name we've cast out demons. We've prophesied in your name. In your name we've performed many miracles. But at the end of the day, God says, you know what? Depart from me, I never knew you. Evildoers. But they had it together, God. We're going to talk more about their relationship in just a minute as we begin to wrap up. But here's what you need to understand as we get ready to our last point. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. How you live outside of the church, how you live while you're even in church, how you live day to day determines whether you're saved or not. Because if you're saved, you're going to bear the fruit showing that you're saved. Otherwise, you may question because you may want to ask yourself, am I just going through some motions here or am I really born again? Now, if you're born again, great. I didn't say all that to get you doubting, but you do need to understand that if you're saved, you're going to live like it. That's why I say salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. Too many people think that if they just come down the altar and pray a prayer at the end of the day, or if they pray with me online, or wherever they're at, that that's it. They're saved. They're on the way to heaven. No, no. It's about how are you going to live. This is this makes the difference. 
When you ask Christ in your heart, you're going to want to change if you're born again. Now, our fleshly desires are going to constantly be there pulling against us. But if you're born again, you are going to battle that flesh daily, not just give into it. So you need to understand, are you, do you have a relationship or is it just religion? Are you like this man that just showed up and thought he was okay and then at the end of the day he realized, you know what? I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready. And he got cast out of the outer darkness. Let's go ahead and wrap this up with our final verse in Matthew 22, which is just verse 14. Some of you are going to wonder why I left that by itself. But it's for this reason. It says, for many are invited. I like a translation better where it says, many are called, but few are chosen. What does that even mean? God calls us all. God's giving you some of you. You're sitting out there. Or you're sitting out there. And God's given you a call. He gave you a call years ago. He called you whatever it will be, whether it was to preach or maybe to sing or whatever it is, whatever he calls you to launch a business. It doesn't have to be anything like religious the way we would consider it in society, but God has called each of us to him. The question is, are we chosen? Because if you're chosen, it takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes determination. To figure out and stay on track as a Christian is one of the toughest things we have to do because we have to say no to these other fleshly desires that the rest of society is saying, yeah, let them on in. But God says, I have set a standard apart for you. And if you love me, Jesus said in one of his scriptures, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching or you'll follow my teaching. So what are you this morning? That's a good question. So here's point, point number four. We're wrapping this thing up. The fourth type of people... And this is a long one, so get ready. Are those that take a step back, take another look, and begin to see and understand what they're looking at. Now to me, I realized in my comparison at the beginning, that was exciting to me. But the cross is also a representation because when people walk past that, whatever group you fall into, this is the group you want to fall into, where you take a look at what you're looking at, you take a step back, maybe get another angle or another perspective, on what it is you're looking at. And you determine at that point that I need to understand this. Or if you begin looking at it, you begin to understand what you're seeing. You begin to understand what is my purpose. But before you can fulfill the purpose, which we're going to talk about the next few weeks, or our purpose, and what God has called us to do, living on purpose, we're going to talk about that intentional living and all of that. But it begins by having 2020 vision or seeing who it is God has for you to be. We'll talk about your purpose next week. But do you see properly? Do you understand that when you look out, you see God in everything? Do you know how to look for God in your regular life? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Here's what God tells us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So if you're sitting out there looking at me right now and you're like, I don't know what God's called me to do. Well, your first command that you've been called to do is go. So the first way you can bear fruit is to go. Go. Tell the world about it. Make disciples. We baptize them. Invite a friend to church. That's a good place to start because we can get them. We can talk to them here. Hopefully minister to them here. Here's what James 4, 7 to 10 says. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Here's what the point of all that was. That sounds kind of bad when you read it at first. But what God is trying to get you to do is quit looking at your own desires and focus on what God has for your life. So verse 10 tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He says, if you will draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. If you will resist the devil, he will flee from you because you have been called. If you're born again, especially, come near to God and he will come near to you. So God's waiting on some of you this morning, whether you're tuning online or out here. He's waiting on you to make the first move. Are you going to humble yourself before him? Are you going to keep walking? You on down James chapter 4 and verse 17. Here's what he says. Therefore, see, if you're one of those sitting out here, well, how do I know if it's a sin or not? Here's what it is. Check it out. James 4, 17. And I brought this one out of the New King James, but check it out. It says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you know the good you're supposed to do and you reject doing it, it's sin to you. That's what God tells us. Romans 8, I'm going to jump around a little bit in this chapter in Romans, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Romans 8, 28, here's what it says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you've been called, sometimes it may seem like your life is a mess, but the encouragement here is to know that all things work together for good to those that love God. Jump down to verse 31, and I don't skip, I'm just skipping for the sake of time. So if you've got time, go read the whole chapter of Romans 8. But verse 31, it says, what thing shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So if God is on your side, what are you worried about what other people think for? You need to focus on what God has for your life, because he, if he is for you, who can be against you? Jumping down to verse 37, it says, no, in all things we are than conquerors through him who loved us. Did you know this morning that you're more than a conqueror? Through God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or any, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That kind of goes along with what we just said. If God's for you, who can be against you? Nothing can separate you from God's love. Do you understand who you are in God this morning? That's really the big question. I got to wrap up. I went well over what I normally do for this message. I need to go ahead and wrap up. If you're tuning online, I want to go ahead and dismiss you this morning. You're sitting out there. Maybe you're, you're looking at me and you're thinking, you know what? You made some good points. I really need to get my life together. Here's how you can do it. You say, it's just simply as simple as asking. A lot of people miss it. They make it too complicated. It's really as simple as asking. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen.
Now, he doesn't even take all those words. The Bible tells us that if we believe Jesus came and he died, he rose again on the third day, we shall be saved. This means that it's a repenting thing. You turn your life, you make a 180, and you head God's direction instead of focusing on your own. I know we went longer this morning, but I hope that you gathered from this message this morning is that God loves you. He's got a purpose for your life. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that purpose is. But before we can move on with that, you need to understand what type of vision you have. Do you have 2020 vision? Can you see God clearly? If you prayed that prayer this morning, it's simple as this. Go to the website. It's nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. On the main page, click the menu button up at the upper left. Then go all the way to the right. There's a link that says the road to new life. If you will click on that link, it will take you to another website, which will explain to you the process of salvation. Why are we saved? Why do we need this prayer? Why do we become born again? You get down to the very bottom, there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email. If you accepted Christ, I want to know about it. I want to celebrate with you, but your next step if you've accepted Christ, if you're trying to turn your life around, is to find a church home. One real quick announcement, I know it went over today, but if on December 8th, right here at the Jackson Civic Center at 10 a.m. during our regular service, we're going to be having our Christmas program, but we're also going to be having a brunch, a holiday brunch. We call it a holiday brunch because it's right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We want to invite you and your family to come, but what we also want to do is invite you to come before then so you can meet some of us that are involved with this ministry. Thank you for tuning online today. God bless you. Next week, we're going to be talking about the very first point of living on purpose. And we'll talk about what that is next week. God bless. We'll see you then.